Welcome to The Farm Project, where a group of ex-members and concerned loved ones take a deep dive into the Christian nonprofit organization based in Holden, Missouri called Harvest Home, Our Father's Farm. We want to caution our listeners, especially ex-farm members, that this episode comes with a trigger warning. This episode also comes with a disclaimer that the information presented and opinions expressed are solely our own. It is important to note that this author is still working through their story. They will be continuing to share ad as they write and send them in. They want it known that these are just small clips of what they endured on the farm and not even close to the full story. This is Jay's story. I had gotten very close with my facilitator, Kay. She cared about me a lot and I did her as well. Rhonda decided we were too close and that we had a soul tie. There was also a lot of talk about me being or having a Jezebel spirit, and that Kay only loved me because I had charmed her and manipulated her. But that is another story for another time, just too painful and honestly still too confusing to get into right now. I also still don't understand it, and it still confuses me and makes me really sad. Anyway, because of this, they switched me to another facilitator. It is very, very hard for me to trust people and to open up to people, especially about my childhood trauma. This transition was especially hard because I had just begun to open up to Kay and the switch made me feel like opening up had been a big mistake and I'd done something wrong in disclosing some of my trauma and being vulnerable with her. I was switched to BB. She's a nice lady, but I didn't know her well. I also didn't vibe with her super well. Because I had been there for a few months by this point, there was a lot of pressure to be really vulnerable in God encounters. This was confusing to me because I felt like I had been punished by being taken away from Kay because I was vulnerable with her, but now I'm being told I have to dig deep into my trauma with BV, who I didn't yet feel comfortable with. The pressure was high. I was told I would be kicked off the farm if I wasn't digging deep into my trauma during my God encounters. This was so, so bad for me for so many reasons. I did not feel safe at the farm for so many reasons that I can't even get into yet. But if I could describe my time at the farm in two words, it would be fear and confusion. Anyway, I started digging into my trauma with my new facilitator like they told me to, and I started having a lot of unpleasant PTSD symptoms flare up. One of which, because the abuse had started so young and I was digging into it while not feeling safe in my environment, I was having night terrors. And one night after my God encounter, I actually wet the bed. It was around 1 a.m. Crying, I went to my house leader, B, because I didn't know what to do, and we were always told to go to the house leader for things like this. She instructed me to go try to sleep on the couch. I most definitely could not sleep, so I just sat on the couch, silently crying the rest of the night until everyone woke up for work, around 5 a.m. I was completely exhausted, having barely gotten any sleep, plus just the overwhelming emotions, I was barely coherent that morning. When my house leader walked into the living room, she instructed me that I better hurry up and get ready for work. Through tears, I told her I was so exhausted and asked if I could rest. She was very cold and just said no. I stood there for a minute, exhausted and still crying, just trying to muster up the mental and physical energy to go get ready for a full day of work. And she said to me again, go get ready for work now or you will be asked to leave the farm now. The threat of having to leave the farm was thrown at me so often and it always worked because I was so desperate for healing and I was convinced that the farm was the only place it could help me. 
I obeyed my house leader and went to work. This was only one small thing that occurred while I was there. A few other tiny little things I will add is that they absolutely charge $300 a month to be there. This is a whole other long story in and of itself for me personally. Another quick story I will share is, at one point during my time there, someone had donated $1,000 for each resident. That day, our workday had been interrupted and we were all called to the refuge because Rhonda had something important to tell us. Work very rarely got interrupted, so everyone was very curious what was going on. And personally, I was terrified. But we get there and Rhonda comes out. She looks so serious. There is definitely fear and tension in the room. We're all anticipating what she's going to say. She starts off by telling a story from the Bible about a husband and wife, Ananias and Sapphira, who went to the temple and lied about how much money they had and God struck them dead. She tells it in much more detail and talked about how important it is to give all our money to God and also that it is a sin to have a savings account because that means you aren't trusting God. After this very intense sermon, she handed out all the checks. I and several others immediately gave our $1,000 check back to Harvest Home. Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us at the Farm Project podcast. Um, I'm Fran, and I just finished reading Jay's story. Um, and I'm here with Aubrey, and like last season, we're going to break down this episode or the story. And there are a lot of interesting nuggets to kind of dive into. Um, I guess I'll just start with the first thing that sticks out and we can just kind of go from there. So for me, the very first thing that we read from Jay's story is that she's accused of having this Jezebel spirit. Um, and therefore she can't have this close knit relationship with the leader that she's clearly bonding with. Um, I wanted to look into Jezebel and the Jezebel spirit that is used a lot on the farm. Um, because I don't know if some of our listeners are fully aware of what that even means. So Jezebel was in the Bible in first Kings and she basically represented it, represented shameless womanhood. She was promoting fornication, idolatry, led a lot of people astray uh, from God. And so she ended up having a horrible death, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the term Jezebel spirit isn't something that we find in the Bible, though. It's something that I guess, you know, is used to describe maybe a personality in someone or maybe having some traits that are similar. Same with like the Delilah spirit, which is what I heard a lot on the farm. It's either you have the Je Jezebel spirit and the Delilah spirit. But in order for you to be accused of having either one of these spirits, you have to really have a, a really questionable like personality. like where you need to go to church leadership to maybe have a conversation, you know, still follow the biblical principles and how to confront somebody, you know, when you think that maybe they're, you know, living in sin or whatever, when they're, you know, your brother or sister in Christ. But um, to blame her for having the Jezebel spirit because she charmed and manipulated her leader that she was connecting with just seems very off for me. What do you think, Aubrey? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, <clears throat> I remember you sharing your experience because I believe you got called the, the Delilah spirit a lot, or I think Jezebel spirit too, right? I felt mm. like 
there was some maybe accusation that I could have had the Delilah spirit. I was never told like you have it, but right. I always felt that some of the teachings were very pointed at. Mm-hmm. I'm the stranger. Don't trust me. So, right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. It's just such an odd thing because um, growing up in the church, I feel like I've heard that term before, but never like this. Like it honestly, it, it um, honestly was almost in like a, like a joking term, which sounds so funny in church, but like, it's just not used. Like, this is so heavy. Like this is used so heavily. Um, and you know, if when you obviously just listen to Fran tell the story, but you can even, the way that she's called this Jezebel spirit and saying you manipulated her or, you know, you, like you said, you charmed her is just odd. And then she does, um, Jay does explain later that she was pushed into or forced into talking to somebody else and yet was supposed to be like close and open to her but then you got called the Jezebel spirit by being close and open to somebody else and like what how no wonder she's confused I would also be confused like why was there any why that would be my question too is like was there more to that but knowing Rhonda she probably just used that as a fear mentality and um not to mention there's plenty of uh occurrences where people are told you'll get kicked off the farm. Um, you know, you're a Jezebel spirit, like you can't be here, stuff like that. So I just, I don't, it's very, it is very odd. I don't, whatever. It just seems like one of the, another way for Rhonda to um, just get what she wants. Yeah. It's her way of controlling and, you know, going off of what you said, where she was then told to be close with this other leader. It's like in the, the outside world, right? Where let's say I'm, going to counseling and I go to this counselor, I have a great connection with her, but then somebody interrupts that session to say, y'all, y'all are clicking too much. I'm going to recommend this other person. Uh, you got to connect with them, you know? And it's like, that's not how it works in the real world. Cause if I don't connect with my counselor, I'm not going to open up to them. And so Jay clearly had a connection with this leader and was maybe in her own way, finding someone to relate to, maybe someone that she can finally share some pieces of herself um, and find healing in her own way. And yet that was ripped away from her Mm. because she was getting too close. And so I do question Rhonda's motives. Like, was she threatened by that relationship? Did she want to be the rescuer? Um, it's, It's very strange to me that she would tell her, don't get too close and yet get close with this one. Right. Yeah, and and to go off of that too is if you're truly a place of healing and you're trying to get people to um, a position where they do feel better or they're in a better place, then why would you why would you do this? Like that just makes me question her motives all over again, like I usually do. Um, but it just that doesn't add up. Like why I don't get that, and that's like what you said too is I mean if we're gonna talk about like narcissistic behavior for a hot second I mean that's just that's the epitome of it um you're you're feeling threatened you want to be at the top you want to be the rescuer you want to be the person everybody goes to and you see someone else getting close to that another person um that yeah you're gonna feel threatened and I, I just don't see where there's another reason for that um especially the way that it's described like if you were to say hey I don't think she's the has your best interest in mind I think hey there's this experience I've had with her I don't think this is working but there's none of that it's just you charmed her you manipulated it's your fault that you guys are getting along too well like what Eh, it's no not a fan well when I was on the farm I was assigned 
a pastoral care team. Um, and I, I mean, fully transparent. I mean, they were, they were great, but I never clicked with them. And so when we did the God encounter trainings, my session was facilitated by someone else who lives on the farm. Um, and I ended up connecting with her because our stories were very similar. And so I ended up having all the rest of my like pastoral counseling sessions with her. Um, I don't know if Rhonda ever knew that or if Rhonda had a problem with it, but I didn't use my other facilitators because I didn't click with them and I wasn't being as open because there was no relationship there. Mm. Like I, we, we didn't relate to each other, but yet the moment I opened up to this person, she shared her story with me and it's like, oh, you've been through it. You kind of, you, you're on the other side. So you can actually help me see myself on the other side versus like, right. let's just pray about it, you know? And so, um, you know, and I do appreciate, I mean, I still appreciate her for, you know, being so raw and vulnerable. Cause I don't even know if that was allowed for leaders to, to do that on the farm. Um, but she was probably like the, you know, the biggest disappointment in having to leave the farm and knowing that she lives there because mm. she was mm-hmm. great, but you're not going to connect with everybody that you're assigned with. And it's unfortunate that Jay had to be pulled away from someone that she trusted. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so yeah, going along with that, Jay also mentioned soul ties. And so we kind of wanted to bring that up. It's one of those things where I don't think a ton of people quite um, maybe understand it or just don't use those words in their regular vocabulary. So um, to us in our interpretation, typically when you talk about soul ties, it's relating to a marriage. It's like, it's typically known as a sexual relationship with another person. Um, and obviously in the church, it's with a man and a woman and like typically marriage. Um, and so that's, that's brought up in the same sense of, um, uh, Rhonda describing, uh, this relationship with Jay and her, um, and her facilitator. And I found that to be, uh, also a little out of place. Yeah, that's a very strange wording. Um, uh, really quickly tiptoeing back to what we were talking about, about you have a connection with someone, that's the only way that you can open up to them, right? Like you're not going to open up to every stranger. And so clearly Rhonda doesn't understand how healing works, Mm. especially in a setting like that. And then with the soul ties, she preaches on soul ties, like very, very quickly talks Mm. about it soul ties is not an original concept. She did not invent soul ties. Um, but it's usually linked to, as you said, these intimate relationships. Um, and it's almost similar, like in my head, it's similar to like these churches that kind of use fear tactics or shame and guilt to, you know, talk about Jesus, where you have sex before marriage, you are leaving pieces of yourself with this person and you're not whole. Um, Basically you are used and dirty and who's going to want that. Um, And soul ties is usually, you know, you're linked to this person if you have sex before marriage and it's not, you know, the godly relationship. And so you have to break that soul tie in order to be fully whole for your, you know, significant other that you married. And, um, And it was a weird thing to use to describe Jay's relationship to this leader. Um, Mm -hmm. She got close to this person. Maybe Rhonda felt threatened. It's like, there's a soul tie there where we're going too far. And so it's just, it's weird. And again, I think for me, it just shows that Rhonda doesn't really know what she's talking about. Yeah. 
Well, and I, you know, I'm not trying to dive into it too much, but at the same time, it makes me question or wonder um, if Rhonda herself has a problem with intimacy, um, mm. just because I, I I just don't understand where that would come from otherwise. Um, and if I'm being honest, I think that naturally someone like Rhonda, I mean, we all have our problems, but she's got some too. And that's where these things come from. And so parts of me are wondering like, what happened to you that you have to now come at anything that's remotely um, looks like intimacy and shatter it, especially when intimacy is like, I would consider like, and that's the thing too, is like, maybe there's some kind of stigma around intimacy too, especially in the church, because naturally I think we think of man and wife or um, something like that, where you can have intimacy with a friend, you can have intimacy with your counselor, like that doesn't mean you're having sex. Okay. So I feel like the church just like jumbles that together. And you can be intimate with someone else. And that could just be like an emotional intimacy of like, hey, we're sharing a shared experience or, or we are relating on another level that you might not be able to with somebody else. And you can have intimacy. You just it's more than marriage. Um, And I think that it just makes me once again, I'm just curious, like where, where is this coming from and, and why, why is this being brought up? Because somebody else is just trying to have a good relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I think as we go into these like deep relationships, you know, with people, you know, outside of marriage, like obviously we guard our heart, hearts and everything. We're not just guarding our hearts. 100%. For, like, we're dating. So it's like who you're sharing your story with. You've got to be taught how yes. to guard your heart. And if that's the lesson that Rhonda was going for, blaming her for the Jezebel spirit, uh, telling her that she's being too charming or manipulative, and that's why their relationship is close, is not the way to do that. That's actually doing the opposite. It's doing harm. And then you're telling her to have the same kind of relationship with another person that she clearly has no real connection with. Right. It just doesn't seem fair. Um, I have an idea. Oh. (laughs) I have an idea for Rhonda. (laughs) We'll see if this goes through. Um, how about we teach people discernment and conviction mm-hmm. instead of, no, you can't do that. I said, so listen to me because I'm listening to God. Why don't we teach people how to have discernment and how to have conviction? It's not just Rhonda that can have conviction and discernment. And I'm kind of wondering if she has either. However, it's not just one person that can have those things. You are fully equipped to have discernment and the other word that I said that I just now can't remember. Good job, Oliver. We're doing so well. Um, but <laughs> I think I'm just like, I, this is getting to me because I'm like, why are, why is she not just teaching people how to do these things? Because those are things that we're, we're, we're told in the Bible to have those things. But then no, on the farm, only Rhonda can have them. That doesn't make sense to me. And you are, you're everybody listening, whether you're a believer or not, like you are equipped, like you are able to have discernment and conviction. And like, if you use those well, and you're listening to the Holy Spirit, like these are problems that could be solved without Rhonda coming in and saying they're problems, or they can decide if they're a problem or not. Like that's a part of being an independent human living their lives. Like that's, that's, that's my idea. Yeah. Well, I also think that this level of confusion is created because she doesn't have anybody equipped to deal with this. So Mm -hmm. because she doesn't have professionals, like professional counselors, people that have gone to school, have degrees in this, know how to walk through mm-hmm. this. I think that's why there's so much confusion because she's trying to be 
mom in some cases. She's trying to be preacher. She's trying to be a godlike figure. She's trying to be mentor, counselor. She's trying to be the rescuer of all where maybe Rhonda is skilled in one area, right? Maybe she is skilled Mm -hmm. in, if she were, if she had the knowledge correctly, then she actually knew what she was talking about. I think she maybe could be a great teacher, but maybe that's where her skill set ends, right? And then Mm -hmm. you bring somebody else that could do the counseling side and could do X, Y, Z, because that to me is exercising wisdom. Um, And you're you're dealing with people's real emotions. Um, And I think, that just by her doing that to Jay, she is causing so much destruction within Jay. And this is, again, our opinions based yeah. on the story that we read, right? Like, I'm not speaking for Jay and, you know, we're not trying to. This is just our analysis of her story. Um, but I think that Jay may have been left feeling even more confused because she wasn't led properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, even to uh, state in her uh, story, she says, um, if I could describe my time at the farm in two words, it would be fear and confusion. Mm -hmm. And that just correlates with every single story we have on here. And if you don't believe us, go listen to them or read them. Um, Mm -hmm. There's so much overlap. Uh, We say that in just about every episode because they're honestly, every story is different. Everyone has had a different experience, but there's so many things that... um, that are common, uh, there's commonalities in all of them that basically show you this is evidence that this is happening at the farm. Because the thing is too, is to understand, we have never talked to all these people at once. This all These stories all came in individually and at different times whenever they were ready. And we have nothing to do with that. So that just speaks volumes of the fact that these are real things happening. Um, these stories are legit, that they're telling the truth. And they're, these are experiences that are happening in real life, in real time at the farm. Yeah. Well, I always share that I, when I wrote my blog posts, I thought I was alone in that. And so I just wrote them as a way to kind of finally a year later release all of this kind of like spiritual trauma that I went through um, and just kind of share with people like, here's actually what happened to me uh, at this place that I was so excited about. Um, And I felt so alone and then, you know, a year after that, all of these stories, like people reaching out to me of having connections to the farm. And I, I didn't know you, Aubrey. I didn't know anybody like that, that yeah. was, you know, like now that we've talked to, I ha- I didn't know anybody. I just had strangers reach out to me personally. Like, do you know this person? Uh, my sister, my cousin, you know, they've been through similar situations. Oh, we know them. Like, And it blew my mind that there were so many stories similar to mine. And I was only there for a month and a half. And yet I felt so validated that I wasn't Mm. crazy. And that it wasn't me just imagining things. Because you go through that, like, maybe I just imagined it being as bad as, you know, this bad, but maybe it wasn't that bad. And then you read the people sharing stories with you, like, okay, my story is valid. It's legit. I'm not crazy. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Mm, so, yeah, like probably a sense of relief. Yeah. And so I'm sure that as people have stumbled upon our website and read some of these stories, they do feel validated. I hope Jay feels validated in knowing that other people have expressed fear and confusion as well, that it wasn't just mm. her, you know, that she may have left discouraged. But believe me, so many of us did leave discouraged that we didn't get what we expected, or at least hope we would get on the farm. Um, 
because mm. everybody talks about that fear and confusion. And yet there is no fear in Christ. And so why is there so much fear on the farm if you are rooted in Christ? Mm. Yeah, no, that's such a good point. I mean, that's what we said. I mean, when you get down to like, just taking things right from the Bible too. I mean, it just doesn't line up. Like I, if we, even if we took out our commentary here, if we took out all of our opinions and our, um, our own experiences, you still have the actual fact that it says one thing in the Bible and Rhonda is doing the exact opposite. So we have that to stand on. And, and like you said, I mean, and you have to understand, um, to the listeners and Fran can attest this as well, but it takes so much for people to share these stories. I mean, it's and and even for Jay, I mean, this isn't all of it. She, this is all that she could just piece together because she wasn't ready to write something. Um, and you know, write a full blown story and piece it all together because it was just too much. So, I mean, it, it just takes so much to be able to come out and say, that. and we're just, we're so grateful that people like Jay and all these other stories that are on our website have done that. And it's just, I don't know. It's, 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 um, they're worth reading go read them um so you can see these overlaps all these things going on and then you can even listen to our commentary but um i don't know i think it's just such a i don't know such a brave thing Mm -hmm. that is going on so hopefully jay hopefully you feel validated in this experience because we just appreciate you coming out and sharing it absolutely well the last part of her story um talked about there being a donation to the residents. And so if you guys listened to our first season, you know that that's what they call the individuals that live on the farm. So when I lived there, I was considered a resident. Um, and so someone came and donated, what was it? A thousand dollars per resident. And it was meant to Mm -hmm. go to the residents, right? Um, they work very, very hard tirelessly. And so (laughs) Rhonda went ahead and used a very manipulative tactic and story that when Aubrey and I sat down to talk about this, like we realized, wait, this doesn't really make sense. Like the way she used it to manipulate (laughs) these women. So ultimately, according to Jay, they were guilt tripped into donating that money back to the farm. Uh, We don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't think Jay specified how many girls or residents were given money. So we don't know in total how much, but everybody basically donated that money back to the farm because they were guilted using the story of um, Ananias and Sapphira. I hope I'm pronouncing those names correctly. But basically in the story, they're in Acts 5 in the Bible. They're this couple who sold their land and they lied about the amount. And so when they came to donate, you know, or tithe or you know, whatever, give the money to the church. Uh, They only gave half of it. It wasn't the full amount, Uh, but they were both in on this plan. Um, And so they, they lied. They just, they were deceitful. Uh, Obviously you can't lie to God, but she used that story to guilt trip the residents to donate this money back to the farm. And that doesn't make sense because it was, no, they knew the amount that each resident was given. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's not like, I, I'm sorry, there's better, if you wanted to go about it, there's better analogies to use. There's better examples to use other than that. And like, that's the one she picked, which makes me concerned. Like, it's not, she doesn't, it's, it's, it's like, she doesn't care. Um, she doesn't care the example she's using as long as they hit hard and they hit home and people are afraid because 
um, like you said, these the residents know the amount. Um, also, this was a gift given to the residents. I just don't understand how, I mean, if they chose to give it back, fantastic. But why on earth, wouldn't you leave that up to God? Wouldn't you leave it up to God to, to in their heart, in the, let the Holy Spirit do the work in their heart to say that they should give that to them? Because honestly, if we want to talk about this, if you're going to, if you're going to force somebody to give it back, is it really giving? I mean, is that really, no, it's, it's, it's just straight up manipulation. And that's so frustrating. And as she mentions in the story, and as other people have mentioned in their stories, they charge $300 a month for each resident to be there. Okay. So, and these residents work, <laughs> they, they pay to work there. Okay. So like, that's my thing is they work in, in also in Jay's story, they got up at 5am, even after she had a terrible night and had night terrors and had PTSD flare ups. Like even after that 5am getting up to go to work and they pay $300 a month to stay there. And then they're offered this $1,000 for each resident. And it's just, you know what, actually, Fran, this is a thought I'm having at the moment that we can decide to keep, but would, would that have like, couldn't, so that this person could have just donated $14,000 to the farm. Right. But I'm wondering if the process of donating that they'd have to like give some back or like they'd have any kind of, but it should be like tax free and all that stuff. I'm just wondering if like, it made more sense for them to get the money from the mm -hmm. residents because they didn't have to pay taxes mm -hmm. or something. Mm -hmm. Like they're trying to like, you know, derail something by doing that because also then why wouldn't they just have told the person to write a $15,000 check and they'd give mm -hmm. them the money. So I'm like, oh, there's just so many questions here as to how this is okay. Um, and not to mention, so even if those residents did give that money back, guys, where did they go? Yeah. Um, I would love to know where well, it I went. Just, That's a lot of money. Well, I just wonder if what, well, we know that what Rhonda preaches, she doesn't live. But if you are mm -hmm. guilting these individuals to donate money, um, because what was the reasoning used? Uh, okay, so she, so Rhonda basically tells them, and you know, again, this is Jay's um, version, perspective, perspective that uh, Rhonda talked about the importance or how important it is to give all our money to God. Yes. And also mm -hmm. that it is a sin to have a savings account um, <laughs> because that means you aren't trusting God. So I guess I'm going to get struck dead because of my savings account. <sighs> My question to Rhonda would be, then what is the arsenal that she has full of food for doomsday and all of her supplies that she keeps? Isn't that a version of savings? Right. That's a food version of a savings account, in my opinion. So what are you doing um, with your food savings? Like, I mean, we can talk about this all day about how, you know, God tells us to not worry about tomorrow, uh, you know, worry about today. But I'm just, again, if you're not living by example, then your word means nothing. Nothing. Yeah. And, so. and I just, um, it is interesting. And like, I'm not sitting here claiming to like, even if we, even if we said it was right, it was a factual thing that, that it's a sin to have a savings account. Um, I'm not claiming I have a savings account. Okay. Um, I have that. Um, and I have food in my cupboard, um, that lasts longer than a day. Uh, okay. Let's say I'm guilty, but then you're 
you're just turning around and doing the same thing. And it's just, it's, it's just alarming. It's, it's so alarming. And also my question is um, if we really want to take Rhonda's word and put them into practice over there, why are you saving up all this food, all these resources um, instead of giving them to your community uh, or giving it to the least of these, because that is what we're told to do in the Bible. And yet she's not doing that either. So it's just, it's, it's infuriating. Like naturally we're all sinners. We all fall short. I sin, I make mistakes, but these are just, you're the one preaching up there, telling people how to live their life according to the word, according to Jesus, according to Christ, whatever. And yet you're just not even doing it. And you're in front of them conflicting yourself, but they're not, but they don't, they don't dare ask questions because you've done, you've put so much fear into their mind. So they don't even ask questions about it. And so I, I just, it's, it's just alarming. As usual. Well, I, w- I would get the whole argument of like, you know, there are some people where all they do is just save, 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 yes. save, save, you know, you, you can't do anything. You can't live because mm-hmm. you never know, like living that's living in fear. Yeah. Right. And so we, we're not supposed to live in fear. We're supposed to live in trust. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, but we're also called into wisdom and to be wise, be wise with what we are given. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so we, you know, I, I want to be prepared in case, you know, I lose my job or if my husband loses his job, that doesn't mean Mm -hmm. I'm not trusting the Lord. I mean, but I think we're being wise. We're still tithing. We're still Mm -hmm. being generous and we're still living because Mm -hmm. tomorrow is not promise. And tomorrow, you know, you know, God bless us. We could both have an accident and everything, you know? Yeah. Doesn't matter. Whatever we saved, it doesn't matter. Right. So I, right. I can understand the argument of living in that fear yes. and just save, 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 save and not trusting. But at the same time, then what is she doing with her little arsenal of preparation, her doomsday prep, I guess? Well, and you're, t- you're telling me that as a um, nonprofit that gets money and donations and you're not saving any of that, that's all going out? Mm-hmm. That doesn't, that doesn't really add up. So that's where I just, it just doesn't add up. And, you know, if someone were to come and tell us, like, that's not the case on the farm, by all means, come and tell us. But from what we understand and what we've, what, what we've gleaned and learned and uh, Fran has been on the farm, like, that's just not stuff that we're seeing. Um, and, you know, I, I just, that one, that one, th- this story's hard, guys. It's a, um, like I said, that's why I just appreciate Jay for sharing it because it just confirms a lot of things. It is just a, yet another humans experience on the farm um and just i no wonder everybody's so confused i'm i'm confused and i'm not there so um i just can't i don't know i can't imagine yeah and i don't i mean i don't sit here and claim to be an expert in all things biblical and i'm sure i stumble when i try to explain things (laughs) because i'm not an expert but there are a lot of contradictions on the farm and Rhonda's teachings. And I think that's what I struggle with Mm -hmm. because there's so little that is consistent. Mm -hmm. A lot of like the belief systems that she puts into her teachings are not all Christianity. You know, some of them have to do with another religion and another religious practice. And it's just, and it's constantly changing. Mm -hmm. And that's what's strange to me. It's like nothing is ever consistent. Like even some of the stories that we've read, they, talk about one practice and then somebody else says something else that they were practicing, but this Mm -hmm. person didn't practice this thing and this person didn't practice that thing. So it's just very confusing, you know, 
yeah, uh, we appreciate all of these stories. And Jay, thank you so much for being willing and open to share. Uh, once again, we are very sorry that that was your experience. Um, and we do hope that everybody who has shared these stories is out there seeking real healing by from real professionals that can guide them through, you know, their traumas. Um, cause ultimately that's, that's our hope. Um, anything yeah. else, Aubrey? No. Um, I would just say that if you're listening and your current member, a resident on the farm, um, Hopefully, uh, obviously, this this episode is actually probably instill a lot of fear or confusion um, as well, just because of what you're surrounded by. But we just hope that um, you're able to take this in at your own time. And if you have questions, you're always uh, we're always open to having conversations. Um, and I don't know, this is just our experience, and this is how we um, how we see things from our perspective. And uh, we're always open to anybody who might have an opposite. Uh, perspective so mm-hmm. your questions concerns thoughts are always welcome if you do have a story um even if it's not um naturally this is for the farm project but if you have a story because you've been in a cult with a similar situation we're always happy to hear and, and we're here for you as well um because at the end of the day um in a perfect world this just wouldn't exist um and we want people to feel like this is a safe space whether or not you've been there or not um it's a hard thing to go through so um yeah, we're just, we're always here. So take advantage mm-hmm. of it if you feel led. Uh, until next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Farm Project Podcast. Subscribe to our podcast to be notified of new releases and updates. You can visit our website at www.thefarmprojectmo.org. And for more information, you can follow us on social media at thefarmproject underscore mo. Do you have a story to tell? You aren't alone. We will respect your privacy if you do decide to share it. Our goal is to warn others and also take solace in a shared grief. Connect with us on our website or social media to share your story or to just talk to another ex-farm member. And one last thing before we go. Have a question about the episode you just heard? Hop on over to our website and submit your question by following the link on our homepage.